Welcome to A Well-Cared-For Human, the podcast that tries to convince you that you are 100% normal and an even better-than-okay example of the human species, despite the fact that sometimes we feel like the craziest, most incapable, or worthless creatures on the face of this planet. I'm Corey, an author, a creative, and the host of the show. Whatever you're bringing to the table today, I hope this episode proves to be a dose of inspiration for you on your quest to become a well-cared-for human. You can find the episode show notes, your free wellness blueprint, and more at awellcaredforhuman.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello humans, it's your host Corey, and today we're going to talk about self-soothing. But before I even begin, I just want to tell you that it's pretty chilly in Michigan today, so if you hear any rustling noises that I'm unable to edit from the background, it's because I am bundled up in my audio closet. I've got all these blankets wrapped around me. It's pretty funny, actually. I look like, I don't know, a 14th century peasant or something. (laughs) So, but anyway, I'm bundled up, and so I'm going to do my best to be perfectly still while I make this episode so that it doesn't make too much distortion on the microphone, but bear with me. That's all I ask. So self-soothing. What is self-soothing? Why do we do it? Why it might be beneficial to us to postpone self-soothing? Self-soothing, what I mean by that is when something happens, when we're overcome by difficult emotions or we're struggling with a situation, what are the things that we do to calm ourselves, to rebalance ourselves, to basically make ourselves feel okay again? That's what I mean by to self-soothe. I've also heard this discussed in the context of babies, you know, let the babies cry so that they learn how to self-soothe. And I don't know what the scientific or social scientist perspective is on self-soothing. I don't know how beneficial it is or isn't to us as children or as we grow up. I just know that as adults, we definitely have the responsibility of soothing ourselves when things happen because there's not always a guarantee that someone else is going to come in and make things better for us. So we learn however we can to soothe ourselves. Unfortunately, sometimes that means we soothe ourselves by avoiding our problems, by numbing out with drugs or alcohol, or trying to escape through promiscuous sex or destructive habits or eating disorders. There's all kinds of ways in which we can try to self-soothe, try to make the feelings, the pain, the trauma go away that can be destructive and unhelpful. So there are definitely maladaptive ways to self-soothe any of these unhealthy habits or unhealthy tendencies, compulsions, anything we do out of desperation to cover up our pain or our discomfort. Those maladaptive strategies would be considered self-soothing. But there's also positive forms of self-soothing, of course. When we're gentle with ourselves, we're self-soothing. When we give ourselves priority or give ourselves space, when we are working to fulfill our needs. So there's certainly a positive way to self-soothe in which we can identify, hey, I'm really upset about this, or hey, I've clearly been triggered, I'm bothered, I'm feeling unsteady, at best, (laughs) being unsteady, or at worst, completely overwhelmed, panicking, being able to recognize that, and being able to give yourself healthy alternatives taking a time out, talking to a good friend, finding a safe space to decompress, body care, sleep care, any of these things are positive forms of self-soothing. So either way, maladaptive self-soothing or positive self-soothing, it is a technique that we use to try to feel better, 
to try to rid ourselves of that discomfort or that unhappiness. But I also want to make the argument of why it might be really beneficial to delay self-soothing. Because definitely in these times when we feel pressured, when we feel stressed, and the difficult emotions are just crashing over us, or the panic is rising, the impulse is definitely to run in there and cover up those feelings, cover up that discomfort. And it doesn't matter if you're tendency is to use a maladaptive strategy or a healthy positive one, the compulsion to run in and make ourselves feel better is still present. But if we can hold ourselves back from rushing in and covering up the feelings, there's actually a lot to be gained from that. When we delay self-soothing, if we don't grab the chocolate bar or go for a run or call the friend right away, if we sit with our feelings, it's a chance to see where our pain points are to gain a little bit more clarity and wisdom around what exactly has happened here? What exactly am I feeling? What's actually going on? Because if you rush too quickly to alleviate the feeling, basically you're doing whatever you can to yeet it out the window as quickly as possible, right? So if you imagine it as a spider, your discomfort, your misery, whatever it is, it's a spider. And as soon as you realize it's in the car with you, crawling towards you, you go, ugh, <laughs> knee-jerk reaction, ugh. and most of us are just immediately like, poof, like, throw it out the window, right? Get it out as quickly as possible, get it away from us. But what I'm recommending is that you actually look at the spider, figure out what it is, figure out how it got in there, figure out why it was drawn to you, figure out if your car needs something like an extra sealant or polishing the dashboard to a point that it's so slippery that a spider wouldn't dare crawl across it towards you. You know, whatever, I'm being silly, but I want to suggest that instead of covering over your discomfort as soon as you feel something, see that as, hey, this is a chance for me to really get to know what's going on here so that next time, not only can I do better, but I can figure out what this is and how much of a problem it is and give myself even more space and strength and autonomy in these situations that normally upset me and trigger me and steal my clarity of mind, steal my peace. So that's what I mean when I say delay your self-soothing. Just take a minute to look at the spider. See what your pain point is. What triggered you? What is it that's got you so upset? And look deeper at that. Look at what that might be saying about your history, about your past, about your current situation. Look at what thoughts are coming up for you. What are your narratives? What do you tell yourself in these situations? So, for example, several episodes ago, I think it was episode 14, maybe, it was about how sometimes friendships end. So when my friendship ended from that episode, the impulse was to immediately make myself feel better because it, it doesn't feel good losing a friend. The stories that might come up are, I'm not a good person, of course they don't like me, of course I did something wrong, of course I'm the problem. And if I had just rushed to alleviate that, either by telling myself, no, gosh, they're the crazy person. You know, blaming. Blaming is another way that we self-soothe because we try to eject our discomfort out onto other people. So I could have blamed. I could have eaten a whole chocolate cake, <laughs> you know, or I could have watched 10 episodes on Netflix, or I could have complained to every other friend that I have, like, what did I do wrong, and have them reassure me that I'm an awesome, wonderful person and that this other person must have definitely been crazy and so on. 
And all of those would have been my attempts to self-soothe the discomfort that I felt at losing a friend or having that broken connection with someone. But to delay self-soothing means that instead of rushing to do these other things, I embrace that it doesn't feel great. Maybe I sit down on my meditation cushion or even just less formally sit down on my couch and I'm like, okay, what about this bothers me so much? Maybe I journal and I see what I'm thinking about it. I try to get a closer look at these narratives, these narrative spiders, so to speak. And underneath, if I do a bit of digging, if I'm willing to look at my pain and discomfort instead of just covering it up as quickly as possible, I can see, oh, this this really bothers me because it feels like rejection. It feels like I'm not lovable. It feels like I'm a terrible person if I ask for what I need. It feels awful to stand up for myself and expect people to treat me a certain way, to respect me and be kind to me in a certain way. And then if I dig a little bit more, keep journaling, keep thinking about it, meditating, contemplating, it can get a little deeper and be like, oh, well, that comes from how I was raised, my relationship with my father, which is any time I would expect him to meet a need or challenge him to meet a need, him being the father and me being the child, it would come with so much punishment. He would lash out, he would give me the silent treatment, he would try different emotionally and psychologically abusive ways to suppress my request, to suppress my needs. And so I expect this pushback, I expect to be told how I'm too much trouble, how I'm not worth it, so on and so forth, because that's my history. And so there's a lot of wisdom to be gained by looking deeper at what's going on instead of covering it up as quickly as possible. And the reason why this wisdom can be so valuable is because it helps you build resilience and awareness for the future. If I do this enough times, if I sit with the spider (laughs) in my metaphoric car enough times, the next time a tense moment comes up in a relationship, maybe let's say I'm not actually going to lose this friend. It's just that we have to have a difficult conversation, as sometimes happens in our friendships and our relationships. But I'm scared to do it because I think they're going to react badly or they're going to lash out at me in some way. They're going to make me feel like garbage. I'll be more likely able to see that and tell myself, Corey, You're feeling this way because you're anticipating rejection. You're anticipating pushback. You know you're like this because of how you were conditioned in your childhood, how you were treated, how your needs were always second to your father's needs. And that if you dare asked for something you needed or wanted like respect, there was hell to pay for that expectation, for that request. But this friend is not your dad. So go into it with a grain of salt and be patient remain calm, just not make the situation worse with this anticipation of the other person freaking out on you. And so it makes the conversation with this other person better. It makes me calmer. It helps me to be more self-assured in those moments, which also reduces conflict. It also gives you a chance to see what you're so afraid of. Usually when we come up against something that has triggered us in some way that's brought up these terrible feelings, whatever it is that we need to be soothed of, What's beneath that is some sort of fear, often enough. There's a fear beneath that, and what we're soothing is our fears. But, again, which is probably why I use the spider example, because most people are terrified of spiders. I don't mind them if they're small enough. If they get real big, I start to get a little panicky. (laughs) But if they're small enough, eh, it's okay. Anyway, regardless of how scared you are of spiders or how big or small they are, if you take this opportunity to 
look at what you're afraid of instead of just covering that fear over with soothing techniques. You have this chance to liberate yourself of some of these fears because fearlessness is crucial to freedom. People who are controlled by their fears, who are dominated by their fears, they live in a very small world. Their world is a tiny little box and everything has to be just right or they fall apart. They fall apart mentally or emotionally. They can't handle a lot of challenge at a given time because they're so afraid of what's going to happen. They don't really have the confidence to recognize that they're going to be fine. They have the ability to meet their needs, to do what they need to do to take care of themselves. But if you're fearless, and to clarify, fearless doesn't mean there is no fear. (laughs) It means, more realistically, that you have less fear. Fearless, fearlessness. <laughs> you have less fear than most people, or you have less fear because you aren't controlled by it. There's a certain level of autonomy and strength in the face of fear. So, again, I've mentioned this in other episodes, but people that are like, Oh my God, Corey, you're so brave. How did you do X, Y, and Z? It's like you're fearless, and, and I am not fearless. I, tons of things terrify me all the time, but I don't back down just because I'm scared. I will stand there shaking, sweating, and my stomach's in knots, but I I won't back down if this is what needs to be done in order to be good to myself, in order to make sure the people around me are as loving and kind to me as I am to them. And so bringing your fearlessness to this is important because it's another chance at freedom. Every time you add that little pause between your fears, your triggers, your challenges, to rushing to cover those pains, those discomforts, you're giving yourself more freedom. You're giving yourself a chance to see your habitual patterns and to make conscious choices about what you'd like to break and what you'd like to keep, what you'd like to free yourself from. What's controlling you? What's keeping you stuck? Look at that and take this moment to get acquainted with it instead of just covering it over and trying to make yourself as comfortable as possible as quickly as possible. And every time you do this, you will be creating more inner strength, more fortitude. You will feel stronger and braver in the moments in which you find yourself triggered, when you find yourself pressed or put upon by outside circumstances or people. And just a more practical reality is that sometimes we cannot address our needs in the exact moment that we need to. Sometimes we don't have the resources or we don't have the time. And therefore, having some level of comfort with this delay or with this discomfort, it's healthy. I'm not talking about neglecting yourself, of course. Don't neglect yourself. But, you know, sometimes you can't do what you need to do for yourself in that very moment. If you get caught out in the rain and it's cold and you're soaking wet and you can't change your clothes right away, it's good that you have a little bit of comfort with discomfort so that you don't absolutely fall apart in those moments. There are some times when we can't immediately take care of something. It's on our radar, but we can't do anything. And so this delay also creates patience, creates that inner strength, that fortitude, and just that confidence that I find so invaluable, this idea of no matter what happens, I will be okay. It doesn't matter how uncomfortable I am in a moment. I know that the moment will pass. I know that I have everything I need to take care of myself as soon as the opportunity to take care of myself arises. So I don't need to be stressed about it. I don't need to sweat it. I don't need to panic. I have got this. 
that's it for today. That's all I really wanted to say was to introduce this notion that self-soothing, it can go either way. It can be done in a positive, healthy way. It can be done in a negative, destructive way with numbing out, avoidance, etc. But however you do it, I mean, hopefully, (laughs) hopefully we're moving away from the negative, destructive ways and replacing them with positive ways. But even if you get to a place where you're only self-soothing in the healthiest of ways, I still encourage you to try this delay method and see it as an opportunity to build up your strength, build up your patience, build up your awareness and your fearlessness. It is really a powerful tool to use to make yourself more and more free more and more liberated from everything that's kept you down for so long. And that is absolutely what I want for you. So, as always, I hope you found this episode helpful and that maybe now you've got some ideas for what you can do for yourself the next time you need to self-soothe and the opportunities that you have available to you at those crucial moments. And otherwise, I will be back next week with another episode of A Well-Cared-For Human, but until then... Please take good care of you. This episode of A Well-Cared-For Human was written and produced by me, Corey Marie. The music was by Late Night Feeler and Esther Abrami. If you like what I'm doing here, please consider visiting my Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get early ad-free access to the episodes, as well as a monthly patrons-only Q&A, bonus videos, and more. Not to mention that your Patreon support lets me know that you find value in the show and want it to continue. You can find me on Patreon by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Marie. If you can't support the show financially, that is okay. You can still subscribe to the show, leave a review of the show, and recommend the show to your friends, not just the neurotic ones. All of this helps so much. And as always, thank you for listening.